0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome to it. It's about uh, six minutes after four o'clock. Another edition of the Employment Law Show. And Lior off tonight and back by popular demand. She's been gone for some time back in the saddle. Leah Moody, ladies and gentlemen, good to have you back, my friend. How are you feeling?
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm feeling good. Thanks, John.
0: Good. Motherhood is obviously treating you well, but you're back in the fold now, so it's a nose to the grindstone, and I'm sure everybody's glad to hear that you're back, spreading the uh, the information, the employment law information. We'll get to a, a ton of stuff uh, this afternoon on the show. Anytime you want to call in, of course, Leah is here ready for your calls. You know the number, live show 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898, whether it's a regular employment law question as to your rights and maybe something you don't know you've been wondering about or maybe it's a COVID coronavirus thing, that's fine. Maybe you're going back to work, coming off a temporary layoff, that's okay too. Bring it on. All answers are... uh good and ready there for you. Just ask the question, 604-280-9898. You want to reach out through email. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime it is there for you to use as well, the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is literally like having Leah in your pocket at all times. Tons of information there, absolutely free, absolutely anonymous. So feel free to log onto that website anytime you like. But we always start with the week that was. What do you got for us?
1: Well, I mean, what do I not have for you? It feels like every week is just so crazy. I mean, you say that I'm backed by popular demand, and I'd love to think that that's unique to me. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, employment lawyers everywhere are enjoying a surge in popularity because there is just issue after issue after issue. And it's only been eight months since I was off on maternity leave. And coming back, it's just a completely different landscape than the one that I left, right? I mean, when I left unemployment was low and job vacancy was fairly high. And, you know, there was uh, the, the standard run-of-the-mill question. And now it's just, you know, completely different set of facts and completely new cases that we need to we need to try to analyze and assess in what is ultimately a pretty extraordinary and unprecedented uh, situation, as I'm sure you've been dealing with, with Leo over the last couple weeks as well, John. But, um, you know, there, there have definitely been some threads to uh, To the common questions, to the common conversations that I'm asked time and time again. And and that's what I really wanted to start off this week that was. And, you know, probably for the next couple of weeks is there likely to be the weeks in the future as well. These are some of the most pressing issues that employees in British Columbia are dealing with right now. Uh, you know, and and the first one, the, the one that really uh, is probably the most recent and the most pressing is this issue of, of temporary layoffs. And so, you know, I I think there's a lot of confusion about the difference between a layoff and a termination, right? And I think a lot of people over the last couple of months have had a crash course on what that difference is. A layoff, of course, being something that's meant to be temporary. An employer saying, we need to take a pause business is bad or business is seasonal or whatever the case may be. And we want you employee to go home, you know, sit on the couch mm-hmm. and and when and if business picks up, we're going to recall you. Uh, in BC, typically the maximum amount of time that you can do that is 13 weeks. So as soon as 13 weeks was up, you had to be recalled to work or else you were terminated and you were entitled to severance. Because of COVID-19, the government extended that from 13 yeah. weeks to 16 weeks. And then just this week, notwithstanding all of my tweets at the premier, unfortunately, he was not listening to my tweet. Yeah. It was extended from 16 weeks to 24 weeks. And that is not insignificant. That's an extra eight weeks that's been tacked on to these temporary layoffs. Um, so, you know, that's, it's meant to take employees uh, in B.C. till the end of August. Uh, which aligns with the recent extension of CERB benefits. But there's one really, really key thing that I wanted to address here because uh, there's this sense I'm finding that because the government extended how long a layoff can go on for, that it would be automatic, that people who were on a 13-week or a 16-week layoff would automatically now be laid off for 24 weeks. But that is not how it works. If you go to the B.C. government website, you'll see that um, Minister Baines specifically says that this extension is for employers who cannot reopen and this extension is has to be in agreement uh, with the employees. So the employees have to agree to this extension. This being uncharted territory, we're not entirely sure what that looks like, but what I think and what a lot of employment lawyers think is that Just like when you were first laid off at the very, very beginning of these 13 weeks of that first period, you could have had the option to say, I don't want to agree to this layoff. I want to consider myself to be terminated, and I want to pursue my severance. It's my view that you could potentially do that now. So if you don't want to wait for a recall, if you can't wait those extra eight weeks because $2,000 a month is not enough to live on and who can blame you, especially if you live in Vancouver, then yeah. you may as an employee have the option to say, I don't agree. I'm not going to agree to these extra eight weeks. I need to move on and I need you employer to pay my severance. So that is one of the, that's one of the key things that I wanted to get across right off the hop uh, for, uh, for my reintroduction to the Employment Law yeah. show which is that this extension to the temporary layoffs in B.C. is not automatic. You do not have to agree to it. You do have rights. You do have options. And please, please speak to an employment lawyer uh, before uh, before you make any decisions either way, keeping in mind, of course, that silence can be construed as a decision. So if you just let the next four to six weeks pass and then decide that you don't want to accept those eight weeks, it might be too late. So speak to a lawyer sooner rather than later.
0: By the way, that number to reach out uh, to Leah anytime, 604 283 That would be the way to do that. But for the duration of the show this afternoon, of course, to call in, we are live. And your phone calls make it all that more uh, exciting, 604-280-9898. Uh, what else you got going on?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's uh, one of the most common situations as well is employees who have agreed to wait during this period of temporary layoff. And then they're recalled to a job That looks quite a bit different than the job that they left, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I understand that to a large degree. Right. I mean, a lot of businesses have been forced to pivot to completely new ways of operating since the pandemic hit. And many have been required to restructure completely what that might mean for you as an employee is that the job you are being recalled to looks nothing like the position that you left and in this context it's important to understand what you as an employee will be will be required to accept and for those changes that you do not need to accept what you can do to protect yourself so you know a lot of people are coming back to reduced hours to reduced wages to a completely different position to a completely different location in some instances because some locations are shutting down as cost saving measures and it's important to understand as an employee that Generally speaking, companies can make changes to non-essential terms of your employment at their discretion. Mm -hmm. So if the retail store that you're returning to is now, for example, requiring you as part of your job duties as a cashier to box products for curbside pickup, this is likely a change that you're going to be required to accept if you wish to continue working there. That's not an essential term of your employment. And, And I would especially expect that the range of what is considered reasonable is going to expand in the context of this pandemic, because I think that our courts are likely going to be sympathetic to the creative ways in which uh, we have our employers trying to stay in float. But if your employer is trying to change what would be considered an essential term of your employment. So like I had just listed salary, wages, hours, position, location, then you may have options. So you can opt to accept the change or you can treat the change, again, as a termination of your employment and seek severance. Of course, this latter option would mean that you are then out of a job in a very uncertain Mm -hmm. economic climate. So it's completely understandable if you find yourself willing to accept a change that you might not have otherwise, particularly if your employer is saying, this is only going to be temporary. But I really strongly urge employees in this situation And in this particular position to alert your employer in writing of exactly this sentiment, right, that you're willing to accept this change and only this change as an exception and only for the duration of the public health emergency and economic crisis. Otherwise, you know, if a second wave hits, you know, a lot of people are saying when a second wave hits, right, or even if it never happens again and your employer just decides they want to make changes, you agreeing to these changes could be construed as you agreeing to future changes as a term and condition of your employment. So you need to be really, really careful with that.
0: The next thing we want to cover is refusing unsafe work, but we're going to take a quick break first. And Al, I see you there standing by the wayside, uh, hanging on the sidelines with your phone call. Well, we'll get to you. And if you want to call through as well, ask your questions. Best time to do it is right now, 604-280-9898. We'll continue just getting warmed up here Employment Law Show, CKNW. It is 418, still plenty of time for you to call, get some answers from Leah. She is back doing the show again tonight, loving it, 604-280-9898. we got lots to discuss, but uh, first we'll get to Al's phone call. Al, thank you so much for hanging through the break. How are you this afternoon? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's a great day. Beautiful. Thank you for uh, for standing by. What's on your mind? So I have a good friend, and she had been working for a company as a barista for like 20 years, And the COVID uh, came in, of course, they shut down. She was laid off and um, she's been, you know, laid off since then. The business has since opened. They haven't called her back. She was told when she was done that they doubted that she was going to be coming back because of her age. She's 76 years old. Um, Like I said, she's been there for 20 years. She's capable of work. There's no issue there. She worked right up until the time was gone. So I just sort of thought she's probably got some rights here.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as soon as an employer mentions age and any presumptions made on account of age, that just sends up a giant red flag. Um, You know, I want to give the benefit of the doubt and assume that perhaps they mean because uh, COVID-19 is is affecting individuals uh, in an older population. But that's not the employer's decision to make. The employer can't make an assumption that because she's 76, she's not going to be able to work. Um, or she doesn't want to work. That's a, that's a question that they should be asking your friend. Uh, and if they don't, they're exposing themselves to a human rights code complaint. Um, in addition, of course, to the human rights code complaint is the fact that it sounds like she should be being recalled to work. Um, you know, if I were her, I would recommend that she follow up with her employer and ask what their intentions are because If she was laid off back in March, she's at least she's coming up to the 16 week uh, extension. She's definitely past the 13 week at this point. Um, And are they are they intending on keeping her on until the end of August on this uh, on this extended temporary layoff? And if that's their if that's their intention, she doesn't have to agree to it. She can instead decide to pursue her severance entitlements in 20 years. She's going to have pretty substantial severance entitlements.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's kind of what I thought. So she should just contact the employer and ask them if they are going to be calling her back, uh, or if they're going to be extending her. And if not, um, find out what her options are from there, I guess.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, if if they have made any of these age comments verbally, I would maybe uh, encourage her to put that in writing, you know, yeah. just to sort of memorialize that and and give us some leverage in the event that we we do have to pursue some sort of uh, you know severance package. But you know, for, if she does want to return to work at this point, um, then perhaps sending that email to the employer will signal to them, hey, employer, you were wrong, I do want to come back to work, uh, and then they'll recall her. If they don't, then I very strongly recommend that she seek legal advice.
0: Okay. I, th- I appreciate your time. Thanks, course, Al. I think. appreciate the phone call. And uh, to reach out if you need to, if that doesn't go any further, we're just uh, giving the uh, the employer a little kick in the rear end. 604-283-3123. Again, 604 604-283. 283 3123 Al to get a hold of Leah and help at employmentlawyer.ca. Still lots of time for you as well to call through just like Al. That's how easy it is, man. Get some answers right off the hop and get down, uh, heading down the right road anyway. Refusing unsafe work. Uh, Tell me about that as well. I mean,
1: yeah, that's that is the uh, that's the big one, right? Yeah. I mean, this is how we all really, really need to pull pool, pool together right now to ensure that we we don't get a second wave or that you know to the extent that we get one, it's it's limited. Um, you know in BC, we just uh, announced phase three which sees the opening of, uh, of hotels and a lot of the tourist industry. And it's very exciting, but, you know, make no mistake, we are definitely still at the infancy stage of reopening large swaths of our economy. And it's going to be a learning curve. And a big part of this learning curve, a big part of this, uh, you know ensuring that everybody is safe and that we don't contribute to uh, the spread of this virus is ensuring that the workplace is safe and, and you know not just looking at an employee's right to uh, safe work but looking at it as, a, as an employee's responsibility to report unsafe work right so we all really really all need to be working together here and um, for, for BC, for employers in BC, uh, WorkSafe BC is mandating that any company that is reopening needs to have a written COVID plan. And what that means is it's got to be a written plan that's posted in the workplace. They don't necessarily need it to reopen. It doesn't need to be a finalized, laminated document to reopen. It also doesn't need to be checked by WorkSafe BC necessarily, but it does need to be in development. Uh, And if a WorkSafe BC investigator comes and looks at the company, uh, that COVID plan is going to be one of the first things they ask to see. So it's very important that employers get that done. And if you're an employee who's recently been recalled and you have questions about what's being done in your workplace with respect to physical distancing, sanitization, PPE, you can ask to see this COVID plan. And if they don't have it, then ask those questions directly because you as an employee, of course, have the right and you've always had the right to a safe and healthy workplace to be informed of potential hazards and to refuse unsafe work this is a fundamental right for mm-hmm. bc employees so if you do feel as an employee that you know you return to work and physical distancing isn't happening or you know the the, the p- plexiglass isn't in, in, in all of the right places and the just the the, the government mandates for uh, safety and to slow the spread of COVID just aren't really being implemented by your employer, your first step is to report that concern to your employer. And I strongly recommend, of course, that you do that in writing. Once you make a legal complaint, once you formulate that concern to your employer, you can then stay off of work legally until that complaint is investigated. And as soon as you make that complaint, your employer is legally required to conduct an investigation immediately. If the employer determines that there's no basis for the concern and that all reasonable measures for safety are being complied with, then uh, the employer is going to tell you, and then you can decide if you want to escalate it. As an employee, the first step of escalation is to essentially ask that the investigation get redone. Uh, So the, the investigation will be undertaken again, but this time... It'll be undertaken by your employer and a union rep if you're unionized, uh, a member of your Joint Health and Safety Committee, or if neither of those things exist at your workplace, then just a third-party worker. And at that point, if the investigation still leaves you wanting, if you still don't Mm -hmm. think that it's been dealt with, then you can contact WorkSafeBC and a prevention officer will conduct uh, an investigation. And, you know, all I see right now in terms of job advertisements are prevention officer ads for WorkSafeBC. Wow, no they things. are hiring yeah. like crazy to get wow. to make sure that, these, uh, that any complaint is immediately, you know, as wow. soon as practical uh, dealt with in, in the workplace. And you should rest assured that as an employee... You making these complaints in your workplace, you cannot be punished for that. And, you know, that's that's part of the the legislative push to mm-hmm. encourage employees to bring these complaints. So they have, uh, you know, there's, there's what's called a discriminatory action complaint. Under WorkSafe legislation, your employer cannot punish you for raising a health and safety concern. And it can result in serious fines and penalties to the employer, to the company. So you're well protected uh, in making this concern. And I strongly, strongly recommend that you do if you see that there are any uh, unsafe conditions. You know, the worst case scenario is that the uh, well worst slash best case scenario is that the prevention officer will go and say uh, the complaint's unfounded and now you have to return to work. In which case, you do have to return to work, notwithstanding your anxieties, notwithstanding your feelings about it. If, a, if an independent party from WorkSafe BC has determined that the workplace is safe, you have to go to work or else you right. risk uh, being found to have abandoned your job yep. or resigned from your job. Um, but, you know, the likelihood is that the prevention officer will probably say, you know, this looks good, this looks good, but how about you make these couple of tweaks, employer, and then, you know, it'll be safe. And so you gotcha. can rest assured that somebody has gone in checked everything out and that the mm-hmm. workplace is as safe as practical as safe as is required by the government in order to reopen for you to then go work at.
0: We'll take a, a quick one here still lots to go your phone calls if you have any questions about what we were just talking about scratching your head bring them on that's why uh, that's why Lee is here to answer your questions for the remainder of the hour 604 604- Two eight zero nine eight nine eight is the number to call in. The email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca and we'll continue with much more. Employment Law Show, CKNW. Yep, you got plenty of time to call in. Leah Moody is here, covering back in the chair after a bit of a, a bit of a break to a completely different employment world for sure. But uh, we it here every Sunday on this show. It is uh, about four thirty-three, so you still got lots of time to call in nine9898 You want to reach out through email? That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And we always direct you to the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Everything covered there that we talk about in uh, website form. And you can uh, go there. It's absolutely free. It's anonymous. But there is a contact button at the top right if you'd like to carry on. And uh, contact uh, Leah after the show. You can do that again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Before we move on to shattering some severance myths that people always call in and and ask you about every week, uh, week in, week out on the job, I know when you're at the office, The last thing you talked about with refusing work, the thing is if if you fall under the category that maybe you have not got COVID-19, you haven't become sick, but you may have a possible underlying condition which puts you at higher risk, and you're supposed to be going back to work and the workplace is opening up, so they're calling you back in, if you go to see your medical practitioner and they say, yes, you are still at very high risk, will that suffice to keep you off work with medical documentation?
1: Yeah, great question, because, you know, as we had discussed just before the break, if somebody assesses the workplace to be safe reasonably in accordance with government recommendations, then you have Mm -hmm. to come back. And if you still don't want to, you still don't feel safe for whatever reason, then there's there are a couple of options to you. And one of those is to take a medical leave. Um, If you do have an underlying condition and your doctor will say that this is sufficient, it's too great of a risk for you to be in the workplace, then your doctor can potentially write you a note. Uh, and if you do get that note, then you can take a medical leave of absence. Uh, that's really the only way to to stay home in that particular circumstance. If you are yourself sick uh, with COVID symptoms or you uh, were just traveling or you've got children that don't have school or daycare because of COVID, there's an emergency COVID-19 leave in BC as well that you can also avail yourself of and that is job protected and it is indefinite. So as long hmm. as you need that, uh, you can take it. You know, there, there are still some gaps. There are still some yep. uh, employees that I feel like are, are falling through the cracks. You know, I I spoke to uh, I spoke to an individual a couple of weeks ago whose partner uh, has an underlying condition. Right, so that is obviously indirect exposure. This this individual was going to be uh, recalled to a workplace where, she was going to be interfacing directly with clients, um, and she was going to have a lot of uh, of interaction with the public. But because it wasn't her with the condition she couldn't avail herself of the leave she couldn't get a doctor's note for medical leave Uh, and you know she essentially just had to try to negotiate in good faith with her employer to take some sort of uh, of leave or to negotiate some sort of severance package but you know I'm I trust that over the next couple of months particularly if this comes back that you know, our government will keep playing whack-a-mole. will keep, you know, uh, figuring out who's falling through the cracks, who, who uh, is getting left behind, and put in place the, the social assistance and the emergency legislation needed to support these individuals.
0: Look, you have questions, bring them on for the remainder of the hour. This is the time you want to call. Don't hesitate, uh, either for yourself, of course, or a, a friend or a bashful family member. Bring it on. It's uh, 604-280-9898 to call in. Shattering some severance myths. Number one, when you are fired, this has got to be number one for sure, and that is you only receive one or two weeks for every year of service. Your, your neighbor will tell you that. Half your friends will tell you that. You stop 100 people on the street, 99 of them will tell you that. It is a complete myth. That's
1: it. Absolutely. It is a complete myth. And that is the most common and pervasive yeah. myth that there is. And it's why on every single show, every opportunity I get, I try to inform people about this. You know, I'm I'm not trying to talk myself out of a job, but <laughs> I do think that it is... Uh, it is, it's crazy, actually, the disparity in information and knowledge on this particular point. And, you know, I think the reason for that is that, you know, we all rely on Google to to give us the answers to all of life's questions. And unfortunately, this is definitely one area in which the internet uh, is doesn't help us. It's very, very confusing. And if you were to get into a Google search bar and type in, I've just been terminated, what am I entitled to? Chances are, you know, if you don't get the pocket employment lawyer first, First hit, um, you will see, you know, something from your provincial government saying you are only entitled to, you know, roughly one or two weeks for every year of service, you know, depending on the province that you work, uh, and and of course your length of service. So a lot of individuals have this idea that that is the extent of what they're entitled to. The you know the secret that all employment lawyers are working with here. Uh, and that a lot of companies don't even know, is that that is minimum rights legislation. That is that the ESA, the Employment Standards Act, which, which says you are entitled to one week for every year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. That is there to ensure that you don't get less than that. It is not right. there to ensure that that's all that you get. And that is such an important distinction. So unless you have an agreement or uh, an offer letter or any kind of contract that says that your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act are also going to be all that you get, you have substantially larger uh, entitlements here. Just to give you an example, and uh, you know we're going to touch on this in a little bit as well, but short service employees, say we've got somebody who's been working for six months in, uh, in B.C., if you, you, you might think, you know, because the Google tells you or the parental government tells you or even your employer tells you, you only get one week. And that is what it says under the BC Employment Standards Act. You work there for over three months and less than 12, you get one week. Mm-hmm. I represented somebody at trial last year who was working for six months and was awarded six months. Wow. Short service employees are getting longer and longer periods of severance. And even outside of being a short service employee, employees in BC are entitled roughly to about one month for every year that they've been continuously employed. That number goes up or down, of course, depending on a number of factors. But one of those factors is economic climate. And, you know, think about the atmosphere in which all of these individuals have been recently let go, right? So I find that for the vast majority of individuals, these awards are probably going to tick nowhere but up. So uh, you are not limited to one or two weeks for every year of service. You are entitled to likely four to five times that amount. Um, And I strongly recommend that you, you know, check out the in-pocket employment lawyer or, you know, call your friendly employment lawyer uh, in your neighborhood, me, to to review that for you and, and give you a picture of what your actual entitlements are.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's generally, you know, the ESA. What you'll get from the government is the absolute floor, not the absolute ceiling. So as long as you treat it as such and move on uh, to calling you, you'll be in, uh, you'll be in much better state. And yeah, with the with the, the employment situation out there now, with people getting let go because of COVID nineteen, it's gonna just be it's gonna be an absolute nightmare. But I think it's worth mentioning. People are under the um, mis miscommunication, I guess that. Although your job is on temporary layoff, your employment rights are not on a temporary layoff. They are still full and robust and nothing has changed in that regard, right? You could do everything you talk about on the show by giving you a phone call. That has not been suspended.
1: Yeah, that is such a such a good point. And, you know, I think that that should be like our new tagline for as long as this pandemic goes on.
0: Your employment
1: right. rights have not been suspended. And that's why I wanted to dedicate the first half of the show to COVID-related concerns, but the second yeah. half to standard employment law concerns, because really, at its base, nothing has changed. It doesn't matter if your employer is struggling financially. It, they still owe you the same severance that they have always been entitled or obligated to, to give you, regardless of, of the economic climate uh, that that we're in.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's funny before we get someone jumping down your throat, because we've had this a couple times in the past few weeks when COVID's been around, when Lior said exactly that, to the, to, to the point that you're the employment law that protects everybody here as a, as an employee in BC and, and also our offices in Ontario, for across the country for that matter, maybe a little different outside Quebec but it's not that you are you're not telling people to go after their employer kick them while they're down because of covid-19 and they've been they've been shut down for 3 months you're just you're simply telling people what their rights are you didn't make the rights you didn't make the rules you're just enlightening people and employers with all due respect, should know this going in when they open up a business. You're, you're an employer. You work for a law firm. Leo runs a law firm. He's got employees too, and he's subject to the same thing. He doesn't get a, he doesn't get a pass because of COVID-19. So I'm just saying that people always jump at you guys saying, Oh, why are you telling people that they can claim severance? You know, why are you kicking the employers while they're down? Well, you're not. You're just, if they don't know their rights, these rights are still out there and they always have been. So you're not doing a bad thing. In fact, you're protecting employers as well because you're, you're putting a fire under their feet as well, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and listen, I mean, this, this show is informative, right? We, right. we have this show because knowledge is power. And the more that employees and employers are informed, mm-hmm. the the less you're going to have to hire a lawyer <laughs> to right. get involved and have it, <laughs> you know, result in, in some sort of antagonistic conclusion to what should have been a, a good employment relationship. It, it, you know, I, so that's that's how I approach the show. That's how I approach media interviews. It's how I approach the articles that I write is giving information. When people actually come to me for advice, my advice, particularly in this context, is, okay, here's your rights. Here are what your entitlements are. But let's talk about the fact that we are all in this together. Maybe instead of, you know, putting pen to paper and, and going... You know, taking that first shot across the bow, have a conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. strike up, call your employer, see if there's a negotiation to be had. You know, I honestly think so much of litigation could be avoided if people just spoke to one another and spoke to one another clearly about what their expectations were. So that's that's usually honestly the first thing that I tell employees to do far from, you know, go sue them and kick them while they're down.
0: Yeah. Sh- uh, shattering Severance Miss. We're going to continue with that, Ted. If you want to make a phone call, you've still got some time. Bring it on. It is uh 444, so you're good to go. 604 280 9898, the number to call in. We'll continue. Employment Law Show, CKNW. It is uh, 4.46. We're back here, Leah Moody, for the remainder of this hour. Of course, she's back and uh, enjoying the show once again. Thank you for tuning in, listening in. You still got some time to call, 604-280-9898. you want to send an email along? Uh, not on the show. That's that's fine. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And always, for more information, begin there, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Works just as well. Shattering severance myths. Next one is this. Your employer says, well, you've been fired for cause, so you are not old severance. Out you go not so. Uh,
1: Yeah, no, not so. And I mean, technically, I guess it's not, it's not, not to get confusing, but it's not a myth to the extent that you've actually legally been fired for cause. But the reason why I put this in as a myth is because, you know, if your employer says to you, well, I'm letting you go for cause and therefore you don't get any severance. Too many individuals that I've spoken to tend to look at a letter like that and think, well, I guess that's it. I guess, you know, my employer says they've got cause to terminate me and that uh, eliminates my severance rights. Um, You know, and some of them are fortunate enough to be connected with a lawyer and they learn that that's not the case, but many don't. And so this is why it's considered a severance myth. While it is true that if your employer has legal cause, and what that means is a reason, a legal reason to justify terminating your employment relationship because of something you've done as an employee. So most commonly we're looking at things like theft or uh, hara- uh, you know, harassment in the workplace, physical violence, uh, mm-hmm. a, a chronic period of absenteeism or insubordination or something like that. If your employer has a legal reason to terminate you, then they, that's correct. They do not owe you any severance. But the bar for proving cause is very, very high, and it's high for a very good reason. Our courts across Canada have referred to a for-cause termination as the capital punishment of the employment relationship. It yeah. is considered and taken very, very seriously by our courts. Because severance is seen as a basic right that you have as a terminated employee. That's why it's codified in all of our provincial employment standards legislation. That's why there's a minimum, because it's a basic right that you get when you're terminated. And so for an employer to say, too bad, so sad, you're not even getting that. You're not even going to get the eight weeks under the BC Employment Standards Act. They better have a really, really solid reason to point to, to say employees through your actions you have signaled to me that you don't want to be bound by this employment relationship anymore. And, uh, you know, if we're talking about hand caught in the cookie jar or an episode of physical violence, I think that that's one thing. And, and luckily that seems to be rare. What a lot of employers tend to do is, you know, if somebody's absent a couple of times and they terminate for cause or, you know, if somebody, uh, you know, doesn't follow instructions on a couple of occasions and then they're terminated for cause. Um, that if, if, if an employer is looking to terminate you legally for you uh, you know having l- poor performance or for for being late a couple times or even for missing shifts entirely they can't just let you go they have to clearly set out to you that you've messed up they have to clearly set out to you what the standards are that you're mm-hmm. supposed to be meeting and they have to let you know that you if it doesn't improve, you're going to be terminated, and they have to give you an opportunity to improve. So I think I just listed four things there that an employer has to do in addition to saying the words for cause. And the fact is, is that the vast majority of employers who are trying to terminate for cause don't do those things. John, I think you and I have spoken before that the first thing that I look at when somebody comes to me and they say that they've been terminated for cause is I say, okay, let me get the file from your employer Let's see how thick it is, because if it's not, you know, as thick as the, you know, one knuckle up on a finger, it's probably not going to suffice for cause. Because yeah. an employer needs to really, really paper their file in order to terminate you for one of those lesser offenses. Again, if it is something that's that's quite a bit more serious and it's provable, of course, if it is something that you did, then an employer stands on firmer ground. But that's very rarely the case, and so I think it's important, especially. Uh, in this current context when employers are probably going to be trying to cut corners every which way they can. And if they think that they've got a road to deny you severance, they might try to get out of it by saying that you've been terminated for cause just because you've been late a couple times. That is not cause. You are still entitled to severance. And in fact, if they maintain cause all the way through to trial, they might be on the hook for additional damages to you uh, as well as your severance.
0: Yeah, they uh, they commonly pull the trigger way too early, and that's uh, that's never good. But it and and oh, my trial, God, how often does this go to trial? Hardly ever. It's just not worth it for anybody. It's so easy to clear up these matters. You guys do it so quickly. Uh, again, yeah, we'll get to a yeah. You know what I mean? Like you guys trial. It's, it's you know this isn't uh, you know family or divorce court or murder trial. This is employment here. It's it's an employer. <laughs> an I I've
1: always to go to an employment trial. Most of the time, you have to be rich or crazy. But you know, <laughs> the the couple times that I've been able to go, it's it's so much fun. But yeah. 99% of totally. these files, these claims, they settle. They settle early, yeah. they settle well, um, and you know they never even see the inside of a courtroom.
0: Severance myth, being quote-unquote on contract means you don't get any severance.
1: Yeah, I, I, I see this one a lot, actually. So there's two kinds of contracts that I'm thinking about here, and both of which lead an employee to this idea that they're not entitled to any severance. Um, One is just that if they have a contract at all, you know, any kind of agreement or offer letter that sets out the terms and conditions of your employment, uh, they think that that doesn't entitle them to severance. And, you know, there are some contracts out there Mm -hmm. that um, will limit you to a certain formula uh, that you're entitled to get in the event of, of your termination. And as long as that has been enforceably entered into and you have received something in exchange for signing that contract, and the termination is pro- termination pro- provision is properly worded then you are still then you know you could be limited but oftentimes there's an argument around that contract or at least you know there's a there's a hook we can hang our hat on to to apply some pressure to get you some more to get you some more money so you know just because you have a contract that speaks to your termination entitlement doesn't mean that you're not entitled to get more than that Um, You know, the second situation I see is an individual who's on a fixed-term contract. And those individuals think that if it's terminated early, you don't get severance. That's just what happens sometimes in a fixed-term contract. But the fact is, is that if you're on a fixed-term contract, you could have entitlements that would even surpass what your regular severance entitlements would be. If you're on a contract that says, we're going to hire you uh, for a project that goes for the next three years, and then they terminate you after six months, you could have up to two and a half years of pay coming your way. The employer would have to make you whole up until the point that you were supposed to be contracted for. Now, some of these contracts do have termination provisions, which uh, account for, what you're owed in the event of an early termination. But again, these contracts have to be enforceably entered into. You have to receive something in exchange for it. And the termination provision itself has to be valid. So if we're talking about the difference between you getting one week and, you know, two and a half years pay over the remainder of your contract, it's definitely worth uh, speaking to an employment lawyer just to make sure that you know what your full entitlements are in this situation.
0: And we'll wrap it up in the last minute or two here with this one. Your rights uh, to severance expire if you don't accept your offers. Uh, employer's offer deadline, the old Friday at 5, huh?
1: Great, great one to end on because that is the biggest myth that there is besides the one to two weeks of severance per year. Yeah. And and it's been utilized by employers time and time again recently, I think, to apply pressure to people, to try to get them to sign, to make sure. them feel like they only have this one time limited opportunity to get that additional week that's that's so graciously being offered by the employer. But the fact is, is that when the moment happens that you are terminated, your rights are what they are. Yeah. That's it. They don't, no passing of a deadline, no changing of a deadline, nothing about what an employer can say with respect to when they want you to sign that release, to sign off on that offer, changes what your entitlements are. You know, we always say it's important to be respectful. It's important to, you know, to at least acknowledge that you won't be responding by the deadline. You know, 99% of the time you can just ask for more time and the employer will grant it to you no problem. But even if they don't, even if you don't get to speak to a lawyer until after the deadline, even if you're listening to this right now and the deadline has passed and, you know, you feel like that means that you've just accepted it, that's not true. The deadline yeah. doesn't mean anything as to what you're entitled to as a terminated employee.
0: Yeah, if you don't call now, you don't get the free Ginsu knives. Yeah, call tomorrow. You're going to get the Ginsu knives. Don't worry about it. It'll still still happen. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it there for the day. <laughs> Nicely, job. Good to have you back, Leah. Go and... Uh, Have a cold one. We're all done for this hour. You can carry on though and contact Leah. Now that we're done with the show, 604-283-3123 is the number. The email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can send it along there. And always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for your first point of reference. And then from there, you can move on, make a phone call or do what you like. But we'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show right here on CKNW.